Way down in Missouri where I heard this melody The old folks were humming The banjos were strumming So sweet and low Mike Satterfield, A1 Bonds. What is it you want? We hold the bond on Jessup Dolly. He didn't show for court. That ain't no run. Jessup signed over everything. If he doesn't show a trial, see, the way the deal works is y'all gonna lose his house here and got some place to go. I'll find him. Girl, I've been looking. I said I'll find him. You see, the law was out here hunting Jessup. You know where he's at? I wouldn't tell him nothing if I did. I really got to run Dad down to get him to show. You ought not do that. Dad's your only brother. I don't know where he's at, and I ain't going to go around asking after him, neither. Who might you be? I'm Ree. My dad's Jessup Dolly. You ain't here for trouble, are you? I got a real bad need to talk to him. Talking just causes witnesses. How long before we get kicked off our own property? I reckon y'all got this place about another week. The law found Jessup's card. Somebody set fire to it. He wasn't in it. Do you know those people going around saying you best shut up? People you want to listen to. Get out of the truck. Put your hands where I can see them. Is this going to be our time? There's stuff that you're going to have to get over being scared of. Get off! Don't hurt my sister! Get in the house! You was warned, and you wouldn't listen. Why didn't you listen? Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would reason you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 205, Winter's Bone. We'll call it an alternative Christmas movie because it has the word winter in the title. That's true. It does seem to be taking place when it's cold and shitty. (laughs) This is another Matt pick. That's right. Back to back. And weirdly... Even though I talked about it on the last episode, having shiny new toy syndrome, I had not watched this recently. I actually hadn't seen it since the first and only time ever watching it before watching it to get ready for this. Did not see it in the theater, but did watch it on home VOD for rent, like within that first year or whatever. But I kind of look back fondly on it. I I always like remember it as something that I liked, even though there were so many great movies that year and this wasn't above some of those other 2010 movies for me. I just, as the years have gone by, I've looked back on it with fondness. 
Yeah, I would say out of the list that you sent me, this was probably the most surprising to be on there. It's a movie that we all enjoyed 10 years ago, and I guess we are sort of coming up on the, or we passed it probably, the 10-year anniversary. It was at some point this year. I know it debuted at Sundance, wow. which is so usually u- early in the year. It's, re- it's been 10 years of Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, and that is the big takeaway of this movie is it's sort of a star is born moment for Jennifer Lawrence. And I always kind of consider her one of ours. Yeah, I'd say so. Because we were there at the beginning. We sort of are following her along the way, seeing this rise. Yeah, we were like checking out X-Men First Class. Yeah. It was a quick turnaround for her to be in like some major franchises and become a huge star. It was also a pretty decent launching pad for John Hawks, who had been around. Oh, yeah. But he gets an Oscar nomination, and all of a sudden he's an in-demand John Hawks has this actor. great thing of he can either play nerd or like somehow the skinniest badass <laughs> you know it's like he was kenny power's nerdy brother on eastbound and down yeah and he was kind of like a non-threatening character on deadwood before we jump into winter's bone let's remind our listeners to follow the show on twitter at greatest pod subscribe on apple podcasts or Podbean. give us a rating and review we thank you for listening this is a big, busy season. A lot of episodes crammed in here in yeah. December. Which I feel like is just our new norm. Yeah. We kind of stay on top of this tough schedule. Before we get into the movie itself, I want to touch on this list of movies Matt sent me when oh I boy. asked for a request. You never sound very excited. There were like four or five immediate no ways. <laughs> <laughs> just cross them right yeah. off. I mean, it's like the same as when the listeners try to request something. <laughs> I'm like... Is he even a part of this show? Does, <laughs> what is he thinking with this request? Does this even make sense? <laughs> I love that you're a co-host of the show, and I'm saying it's a request. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like, oh yeah, we're definitely doing these. I I still have to have final approval. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a collaboration. <laughs> no, it should be, but you've never taken that role, and now here yeah. we are trying to do a bunch of your requests. I'm more the sub, and you're the dom. Oh God, come, <laughs> come on. <laughs> what Fifty Shades? So, Winter's Bone, 2010, directed by Deborah Granick, screenplay by Granick, and her frequent collaborator, Anne Rosalini, based on the novel of the same name by Daniel Woodrell. $2 million budget, $16.1 million at the box office. To As hit. mentioned, was a springboard for Jennifer Lawrence and John Hawks. It won Best Picture and Best Screenplay at Sundance and earned four Academy Award nominations for Picture, Adapted Screenplay, Best Actress for Jennifer Lawrence, and Supporting Actor for John Hawks. In a, in a big year for movies, too. It was a huge year, and it was an interesting time for the Academy Awards when they had the locked-in 10 nominations for Best Picture. Yeah. And this was a time period where it felt like it was... This was a had to be fun exposure for indies. Pretty recent to when it moved up from five. I think it was the first year. Yeah, okay. That makes sense to me. The Hurt Locker had just won Best Picture. That was a small independent movie that came out of nowhere. Winter's Bone garners a ton of attention, gets these nominations. It would not have been nominated for Best Picture had it only been five. Clearly, it ends up shining a big spotlight on the film, which I think was one of the benefits of adding more nominees. The original idea probably came about because The Dark Knight didn't get nominated for Best Picture, and they thought, well, we need to have space for some of these really popular movies that are great. 
but one of the byproducts was hey there might be a spot or two for something like a winter's bone and i think the nominations brought more attention to it it earned it a lot more money than it would have made and it helped launch these two careers that came out of it that were big yeah and i remember because i you know i don't think i saw it before the oscars but it was something that you were hearing about I wasn't really feeling like I'm talking to a lot of people in my life at this time, and they had seen Winter's Bone, but everyone was kind of like hearing about it. Yeah, it was definitely a movie that was generating buzz in the fun sense, because I think one of the things that's changed in the 10 years since, it does seem like there aren't as many surprises. I agree with that. And that, not that the morning of the announcements it was a surprise, but it coming out of nowhere wasn't a high-profile project or a high-profile director or high-profile stars. Now it seems much more preordained who the indie darlings of any given year are going to be. Yeah. And there's less fun and suspense in that. Yeah, just less stories that come out of nowhere. It was just a very innocent time. I agree with that. And one would say a better time. Oh, one would say. (laughs) Winter's Bone falls under the category of hillbilly noir. Really. Yeah. It is a noir story, almost like a detective story yeah. with different beats and clues and going from one thing to the next and people telling her different things. Also kind of ahead of its time in terms of the Ozarks being a setting for trashy crime thriller, <laughs> you know, would pave the way for a successful Netflix series years later. The title comes from the expression like a dog digging after a winter's bone meaning someone on a tough quest who won't give up. Most of the supporting cast in the film were actually locals, with the exception of Hawks, Lawrence, the sheriff, and a few other people. Cheryl Lee pops up. Yeah, Laura Palmer. For one scene. A lot of the other people, including the two siblings and some of the neighbors and all those, they're not really actors. They have one credit, which is yeah. Winter's Bone. They were just people They look in like town. people that have been in various bars that I've hung out in in my life. Yeah, so with the exception of Lawrence, who almost didn't get the part because she was deemed too pretty, yeah. it is something sort of what we were talking about in Five Easy Pieces with the supporting cast feeling more real and natural. You do get that criticism because i mean would these townspeople ever stop talking about this girl seems like yeah more would have been happening yeah (laughs) there seems like there's zero male attention yeah in this town which believe me you get a look at some of the other people i'm pretty sure jennifer lawrence is standing out in this town a little bit yeah (laughs) i think people would be falling all over themselves to help out financially i think so yeah (laughs) so let's get into it it's a fun suspenseful movie very tense there were parts of it that reminded me of other movies we've done on the show including a couple scenes that felt familiar from the place beyond the pines which came oh, yeah. out a few years later where you're sort of like not sure if she's being led into a situation where she's about to be murdered or not yeah. and they're definitely playing on the tension there it almost has like a similar anxiety for me to american honey where it's just like these people's lives are just so just sad. It's like they most of them live in like <laughs> shanties. There's like meth labs blowing up <laughs> all around them. Yeah, it's definitely a rough portrait of a pocket of America yeah. that is foreign to me in the sense that I come from like a pretty normal, comfortable yeah. suburban atmosphere, not really accustomed to this ultra rural 
very anti-government, anti-the-law, anti-societal norms yeah, in a lot of way. Yeah, kind of being the top product. The central figure it in kinda, our lives. Yeah, <laughs> keeps the ecosystem going. In the rural Ozarks of Missouri, 17-year-old Ree Dolly, played by Lawrence, who was actually more like 20 at the time, looks after her mentally ill and catatonic mother, her 12-year-old brother, Sonny, and 6-year-old sister, Ashley. Uh, so she's basically head of household. Her mom is basically the dad from friggin' Five Easy Pieces. Just not coherent. Yeah, I was wondering, two of your picks on this list had catatonic, catatonic parents, parents. In, in the involved. Wasn't sure what was going on there. Yeah, well, we can talk about it off mic. <laughs> the dad in this family seems a little bit like Frank from Shameless. Yeah. Just disappearing for days at a time. They don't really know what's going on with him. He almost... Always scheming. Yeah, I guess he lives at their house, but it seems like he also lives a separate life that they're not. Well, yeah, he fully has aware other of. girlfriends. Ree is barely keeping all of their heads above water. The family is destitute, living probably beneath the poverty line. I'd say so. And there's dogs and horses and children. Oh my! Just so <laughs> many mouths to feed. Because when you're getting that first introduction at the beginning of the film, and then you see, oh, here's a dog that they have that they're feeding, and then the brother brings in another dog, and then they have that horse. The thing that's unclear to me, the neighbor. It seems like not just them, maybe several of the others might own like fairly sizable plots of land. Yeah, I was wondering about that too because they referenced that the property in the house weren't enough to cover the. Bond. I know, but they talk about the value in like the the trees that they have on the land. Yeah, I guess if you're just able to cut up that much wood and like sell it. I don't know. Hard to say. The first few minutes of the movie convey so much and establish a solid sense of place and a backstory. And when I was rewatching this movie after all of these years in preparation for this podcast, I just I couldn't help but think, isn't it funny how sometimes you just know immediately that a movie is going to be good you know what i mean oh yeah you're seeing a movie and you can just sort of tell within the first few minutes the way that it's set up you're just pulled into it you can just there's a level of craftsmanship yeah to things sometimes and you're not really sure what the story of this movie is especially if you saw it in 2010 and the cast is mostly unknown to you the director might be unknown you don't really need to know much other than you're starting it and you're like, okay, I can tell immediately this is a well-made film. I'm sort of being sucked in without even a story developing yet. I would agree with that. You just sort of see the lay of the land. Ree does her best to make sure everyone eats, and she also teaches her siblings survival skills such as hunting and cooking. So she has to be both mother and father. Her father is MIA. Her mother is mentally MIA. Yeah. It is weird. Because you feel like sometimes groceries are being bought, and then sometimes they're shooting squirrels and making them into stew. Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. It's on the line. Sheriff Baskin, played by Garrett Dillahunt, shows up and drops a bombshell on Ree. It turns out that her father, Jessup, who's been missing for some time, has now evidently disappeared after posting bail following an arrest for manufacturing meth. Baskin tells Ree... That if Jessup no-shows his court date, which is rapidly approaching, that Ree and her ragtag little family will lose their house and land because it was put up as part of his bond. And so here is our mission, our quest. Gotta find this guy. It's gonna kick everything off. Where's Jessup at? 
Re is going to pursue her missing father because she has to protect her family. So let's start with a meth-addicted uncle called Teardrop. That's right. And this is... An emotionally distraught uncle, I would say. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. (laughs) Super dense. Oh, yeah. His... I I don't know if it's... I guess that's her aunt, right? Teardrop's (laughs) wife. I don't know. know. Yeah. I don't know if they're even married. It also feels like maybe half the people that live in this area are all related. Half? Yeah. I was thinking more. Like, almost all of them? Yeah. Yeah. That is the thing. Everything is sort of vaguely connected through bloodlines. There's a lot of crossing over, dare you say, incestuous, potentially. Incestuous in a literal sense and a figurative sense, where everybody's involved with everything, and they all know each other, and there's some sort of way to track each other through relations. Teardrop, which is a terrible name. (laughs) TD, for short. That's right. He does have a little tattoo next to his eye yeah probably not getting a lot of jobs in corporate america with that he's addicted to meth he's super intense he's grabbing re by the throat at one point abruptly leave it alone and this is re's first warning to just shut up and not do this yeah which she will be told repeatedly (laughs) throughout the movie yeah she's almost (laughs) relentless about her pursuit the law came bad today dad signed over everything to his bond Victoria, I really got to run Dad down to get him to show. You ought not do that. Don't go running after Jessup. Show or don't show, that choice is up to one that's going to jail, not you. You know where he's at, don't you? Where a man's at ain't necessarily feuding no neither. But you do. I ain't seen him. Could be running around with little Arthur and them, you think? Don't you ever go down around little Arthur's asking them people about shit they ain't offered to talk about. That's a real good way to end up hit by hogs. Or wishing you was. We're all related, ain't we? <laughs> Our relations get watered kind of thin between here and little Arthur's. You know all those people, Teardrop. You could ask. Shut up. None of them's going to be in a great big hurry to tangle with you. I said shut up once already with my mouth. Jesus. Dad's your only brother. You think I forgot that? Hmm? Just and me run together for coming on 40 years, but I don't know where he's at. I ain't gonna go around asking after him neither. Re, you still planning to join the army? No, I don't think I can anymore. Listen. Yeah, there are several times in this movie where you do want to just like level with the people it, it, and just be like, I don't think she's like trying to bust 
anybody. Yeah. She's just trying to save her house. Why can't you understand Guys, that? can we just have a sit down and talk about this? I feel like we all can get to a, a level playing field here of what needs to happen. And in a way, I think that is essentially what happens. Yeah. People finally just sort of accept that she's not going to give up, but she's not trying to, like, Well, yeah. I mean, the, wom- the women that eventually help her are basically like, well, people are gossiping about us, basically. Like, <laughs> Everyone decided so, we're terrible. So we're going to help you. The world that they're living in, desolate, gray, muddy, cold. Oh, yeah. Shitty. Re meets with a dead end with Teardrop, who isn't very willing to help, doesn't seem to know where the father is, wants her to stop pursuing it. So she goes and sees a guy by the name of Little Arthur, who's like oh, yeah. an associate of her father's. Wait, but, he's like a cousin, I think, though, right? Yeah. Well, they're all basically kind of related. Yeah. yeah. I think that is the relation is that they're cousins. Little Arthur is played by Kevin Bresnahan, who who's listeners might know from yeah. Adventureland and Superbad. Yeah, I think he has popped up in a few things. but yeah, You mean it, in his life? In movies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, when he's on screen, you're like, this guy's weirdly recognizable, but he's not like a star. The book that this movie's based on definitely gets more into the backstories and the connections between the characters. And there's this dark past between little Arthur and Ree, where when she was younger, so at that point, I guess you're talking about seriously a child. He drugged her with some sort of hallucinogenic and then rapes her or something. Just well, that's pretty dark. An awful traumatic backstory that is not touched on in the film. Yeah. I think just these two have a checkered past. I think we get that. And they do convey that there's tension between her and him and her and possibly his wife who seems... I know this guy, Child Bresnahan, yeah. was born in the 60s. So we're talking like in 2010, he's probably like... 40 something years old and his wife seems like she's 15 yeah i know (laughs) which is disturbing but he's also dodgy and not really willing to answer these questions directly saying that he hasn't seen jessup since the summer and it's really like everyone's sense that jessup was uh doing a lot of like group jumping you know what i mean he's one of those types well they're all in they're all involved in the meth cooking the meth making this tangled web of this criminal underworld that's all existing under the surface in this shithole town yeah i know but obviously he's known little arthur seemingly his whole life but they reference like a certain time where he was hanging out with little arthur more frequently yeah that's true although i don't really believe anything he's saying that's true essentially it's like everyone's got some big secret that they won't let re in on and to the which viewer, is obvious yeah the viewer i think understands what this movie is it's not a big secret yeah i, I guess these this group of people isn't the best at hiding their feelings here well i think it's probably easier to do this in a book which is to sort of build the mystery and suspense yeah. of what exactly happened to jessup first Reed's like why the fuck are these people all gaslighting me they're obviously hiding something Little Arthur's young wife, who seems sympathetic to Rhi at first, she's like, well, you need to go talk to Thump Milton. And Thump Milton is essentially the little local crime boss. Yeah, he's like the Vito Corleone of this area. Yeah, and Rhi's like, well, that dude actually scares me. And this other girl, Megan, is like, yeah, he scares me too, and he's my own grandpa. (laughs) Again, highlighting the fact that everyone is related to everyone. But Rhi is determined because she knows the stakes. The stakes 
are established early in the film, which is great for a movie like this. It seems like something simple, but sometimes movies don't do a good job of this, which is make the audience understand what is moving the action forward. Why is she doing this? And it's clear. You're like, anytime it seems like a dangerous situation she's walking into or something she shouldn't do, you fall back on, well, we know why she's doing it. She has to do it. There's no other choice. She's got to drive this forward. I don't know how this family is going to survive. Walking onto Thump Milton's property, I was struck by the question, what is the point of this outlaw existence? (laughs) (laughs) They all just live in squalor anyway. It's not like anyone has nice stuff, nice houses, nice cars. It looks like they live in like junkyards, houses that are in disrepair. It's a mentality, I think. It's such an unwillingness to participate in a normal functioning society. It's kind of like they're able to form their own society where they, to some degree, are able to make the rules. And everyone buys into it because even from the perspective of the Jennifer Lawrence character, even she is like this hardcore, like, yeah, I won't talk to the law. Oh, yeah. And when the story gets revealed as to what's going on and why certain things have happened, she's not even really sympathetic towards her father. No, no. There's actually a very specific scene where she's... We all knew where this was headed. Embarrassed, I guess, would be the word. What is it you want? I got a real bad need to talk with Thump. And he ain't got no need to talk to you. But I need to. I really, really got to, ma'am, please. Some of our blood at least is the same. Ain't that supposed to mean something? Isn't that what is always said? Ain't you got no men could do this? No, ma'am, I don't. You go wait in the yard somewhere by that coop. And I'll tell Thump you're here. for you, child. I've got to talk to him. If he don't know, nobody does. Nope. Talking just causes witnesses, and he don't want for any of those. I'll wait. You need to get yourself on home. Here, drink it down and be on your way. Thump knows you in the valley, child, with Megan and at little Arthur's. He knows what you won't ask, and he don't want to hear it. And that's it? He ain't going to say nothing to me? 
If you're listening, child, you got your answer. So I guess come the nut cutting, blood don't really mean shit to the big man. Am I understanding that right? Don't you dare. Don't. I want you to listen to me, child. You need to turn around and get yourself on home. Don't you make me come out here and tell you again. Thump refuses to see Re or speak to her, and there are more warnings from the woman at Thump's house who's keeping Re at bay and not letting her in. Basically, get the fuck out of here. And let's be honest, this woman doesn't really hide it. She's like, oh, yeah. Thump doesn't want to talk to you because talking to you would make more witnesses. And it's like, it doesn't take okay, a well, there it is. Yeah. genius to figure that out. It's like, witnesses of what? Right. It's not a big secret, really. So this other dude, okay. So throughout the movie, there is this looming presence of her dad's cousin who lives essentially next door. And the wife, Sonia seems helpful brings over food yeah. takes the horse that they can't afford to feed but she's always looming around especially anytime the sheriff or the bail bondsman is involved always asking questions and her husband who is jessup's cousin but is also basically tied in with everybody and related to everybody i think his name is like blonde or something okay yeah even though i don't think he's blonde no he shows up forces re into a car to take a ride and he's been waiting for this moment to take advantage (laughs) this is another like tense unknown feeling because she's essentially forced into this car you don't know where they're headed he won't say and he's just like there's something you need to see yeah and it kind of comes at a time too where it's like people have been alluding to stop fucking around with this stuff every person she talks to says that so it's it's kind of like this early moment where you're just like all right what's what is this guy gonna do Because everyone seems to be wanting her to shut up. Yeah, I think the implication for the audience is pretty clear that you're sticking your nose into something that if you find out too much, you're going to end up getting killed. Because clearly, Jessup has been murdered. I don't think we're really spoiling anything. It's not a big secret. It just, from Ree's perspective, I think it takes more time to accept. And that's sort of like the... It seems the like the middle portion of the film is her coming to grips with that. Yeah. Although it seems like right away she is realizing that as a, a strong possibility. Oh yeah, for sure that yeah. he's dead, but I think she's sort of coming to grips with the fact that he's been murdered. She doesn't really know why yet. Right. That will be revealed later. And yes, the squirrely behavior from all of these people who oh, are yeah. related to Jessup, who are associated with Jessup, should be an indicator. But like I said, it's her father. And so I think there's a level of denial, even if they are sort of estranged borderline. Not really, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, they don't have a great relationship. But it's a tough thing to come to grips with because, okay, let's forget about the fact that the property and the house are up for grabs. Put that out of it. It's still going to be a real grim reality for yeah. her, even if she wasn't in danger of losing the house and the property. Oh, yeah, and uh, it's a bummer trip. <laughs> she's still got her a young brother and sister that it, not only is she taking care of them it, i mean i think it kind of sucks if you got to tell them that their dad is dead 
I don't know. Just do it like a Band-Aid, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, just rip it off. Dad's dead. Yeah. I know this might not come to us as a surprise Throw a dead guys. squirrel in their yeah. face. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that, actually, by the end of the movie, because their mom is a ghost. Oh, yeah. Essentially. And now their dad's dead, and these kids just sort of have to roll with it. Yeah. Well, it's almost like, like I'm the your mom wire or something yeah. where death is just treated as like I was thinking I mean it, it is almost like a wire type just society. Yeah. Where it, it's just its own pocket with its own rules. Blonde takes Ree to this burned house and the insinuation here more or less is that Jessup died in a meth lab explosion, but Ree is not really buying it. No, she, she sees right through it. Explores the charred remnants of the house. It is kind of lame where she's just like I knew this blew up. Daddy, no, 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 that's fine. But the part where she's like, Daddy would never, he never fucked up a lab, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. He never made mistakes. It's it's like Walter White. Yeah, he's some fucking genius, (laughs) we're supposed to believe. Come on. that's. I feel like that's almost just, it's too much. Yeah. But yeah, she inspects the house, and then eventually she does flip out and be like, there's weeds almost up to my head. That house burned down years ago. Right. Quit trying to pass that bullshit off Very perceptive. But when she's exploring the charred remnants of the house, looking for the remains of her father, that really exposes the gruesome heart of Winter's Bone when you think about it. And it will go there and oh, will yeah. get gruesome. Because that is essentially the mission she ends up having to be on is to find of- out what happened to her father and yeah. then prove it. Right. And it's not something that a normal 17-year-old would have to experience. It's Trying to find your pale. dad's dead body. <laughs> Ree's friend Gail shows up with who I guess is her brother's truck. I was very confused about this situation because we. Oh, we I meet. thought it was. Ga- I thought Gail was with that dude. Yeah, that's the way it seems in the movie. Okay, but I was watching a deleted scene. I see, and it seemed more like they were brother and sister, and the father of that baby is more just unknown, up in the air. Yeah, could be any one of those dudes in that town. I think any the- one of those sixty-year-old dudes. I think in the book. There's an insinuation of an intimate relationship in the past between Ree and Gail, potentially, that they don't really get into in the movie. Gail is just a friend with a truck and a baby. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the two things that you have to have in the Ozarks, That's a truck right. and a baby. Yeah. And in Gone Girl, some really great Mountain Dew. Oh, yeah. Where you just say, fuck yeah, <laughs> after you take a sip. <laughs> One of my favorite things in any movie ever. Is that, <laughs> that part is great. That? So they go on a little trek to find daddy's girlfriend and they go to this house and there's right. just these people in a band like a I don't even know what we would call these that are like, like a the country folk band. These are like the five easy pieces people of the Ozarks. These are like the pretentious musicians <laughs> playing like alternative folk. My notes country. were just like pretty cool band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just jamming out. But uh, always nice of course to see Cheryl Lee pop up in something. Yeah, I was thinking that these people in this house were not really tied in with the goings-on. because I agree. Based on Cheryl Lee's little story of... They live like closer to the lake or something. A reconnection with Jessup that only lasted briefly, and then her seeing Jessup after their reconnection, and then Jessup acting like he didn't know who she was. and Something was just wrong. Yeah, her quote here, something real wrong was going on with I- Jessup and these guys at a bar. I know that we probably have a bias to Cheryl Lee. I think she's really good in a small role in this. I think she's sure, good yeah. in this scene. 
Yeah, and I think that's why they decided to cast a real actress in this scene, even though it's pretty brief and it's the only appearance of this character. I know, but it's just that presenting of how weird this experience was and just that you knew that something was wrong. I just think she's so good at conveying that. Yeah, definitely. Teardrop reemerges saying Jessup's car was found torched the previous night, but he wasn't in it. Okay, so at this point, I feel like there's not a lot of other options. This is where it's also confirmed to read that Jessup failed to appear for trial, so the situation has turned even more dire yeah, for now that, and her that, family. Yeah, now that clock has started, because it's only a matter of time until they show up. I don't know who they is, whoever comes and claims the house. I know the bail bondsman would be involved. After this interaction with Teardrop and her finding out that her dad didn't show up for the trial... Ree now thinks it likely that her dad is dead because all signs point to yeah she's very tied in with this idea that her father's not a runner she repeats it several times that's right that no matter what he's gonna like stand trial and show up and not run and so this news seems to confirm to her that something's wrong yeah and so now the thinking sort of shifts from a locate mission to a locate his dead body mission yeah <laughs> re-begs her mother for help this just feels like desperation i mean she it's like There's she knows no nothing is gonna happen here yeah it's weird it's it's not quite like the father in five easy pieces because sometimes the mother does seem to move yeah and her expressions will change yeah it's just that she doesn't talk right which would I guess get very frustrating and annoying yeah. for the family. And sure especially would. in a place like this, which I don't think would be the most receptive to mental illness. I'm going to say no. So the bail bondsman shows up. <laughs> I, I do like he, he has kind of just like a relationship with everyone in town. Yeah, everybody knows this guy, I guess. He drives like a Dodge Stratus or something. <laughs> I feel like for a bail bondsman, he's kind of friendly with Ree. Sure. He's not exactly as cool and chill as Max Cherry, though. Well, yeah, (laughs) hard to be that cool. He's looking for Jessup as well, because now Jessup's considered a runner. Ree doesn't believe this, so she levels with this guy and just tells him that Jessup's dead. However, the significance of this scene basically comes with the essential information provided by this bail bondsman. This dude's like, hey, the house and the property weren't enough. And so... To cover the rest of the cost, this guy shows up and anonymously like hands over like wads of cash. Yeah. Did not leave a name. So we don't know who it was. I guess the questionable part about that is this bail bondsman does seem to be very plugged in with all of these people and know who they are. And it seems kind of weird that there would be like an anonymous one. Yeah. They dance around it. They leave it a little gray. Yeah. Where. You're like, what is the story? Did he see this guy? We're not, you know, it's not even really. That's true. They just don't want to really get into it because, yeah, he does recognize Blonde and Teardrop Teardrop, and a lot of the other people that he sees in these little trips over to (laughs) Reed's house. A lot of arrests in the area. Yeah. And we'll get into this more towards the end, which is basically the differences between the novel and the film and how. The explanation of what happens to Jessup is a little more, I guess, mysterious in yeah. the movie. Where It's not really definitive, I would say. I would say, yeah. Without us having the conversation that we had from what you knew about the novel, I really don't feel like 
by the end of the movie I have any idea who killed him. I think there's a lot of theories floating around online, but I can't really say that any of them convince me entirely. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like anyone really has a definitive answer. Re and her siblings and her mother, they have about a week left on the property before they're going to have to turn it over, which does seem insanely fast that yeah. that would be happening. She's also disbelieving of this information. The bail bondsman tells Re that she would need to provide proof that her father is dead to avoid the bond being forfeited. So, in other words, if she's able to convince the court that her father is deceased, and thus the reason why he didn't show up for trial, then there is no bond forfeiture, and she'll be able to keep the property of the house. It's pretty simple. Yeah. It almost seems, like, too simple. Like, it almost seems nuts that that's how it would work. I guess, like... I no, mean, it, it doesn't. The, the thing that is nuts is the way that she proves it that's well, what's nuts yeah if you had a death certificate why would that be nuts it i, I more just mean from a bail bondsman's perspective well it's ultimately not his call that's it true. would be up to the court because he right. says the judge is on my ass because yeah, yeah. he didn't show up right it's not like they get to decide what counts as proof that's true which is why she takes the proof ultimately to the police i guess it just seems wild to have this amount of money like on the line and then the person is just dead. And then it's just like, okay, well, this just goes to next of kin or whatever. Well, the money typically would not have gone to her, but there's like a a loophole, a half-hearted explanation yeah. as to why that would happen. I don't really think that they would turn the money over to her, but whatever. Ree goes in pursuit of Thump Milton again. She tries to track him down at what seems to be like a cattle auction or something. And she's making like a fool know, of a herself bizarre yelling. bizarre scene, yeah. And he's sort of like avoiding her. It's like this big boss hog guy, like the fucking guy from like Porky's yeah, or something, yeah. but like older. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been to some bars in the outskirts of the lake region in upstate New York. These figures. <laughs> yeah. Heavy presence. <laughs> Don't take kindly to outsiders. No, no, no. <laughs> Walk in with like three of my friends to order Jaeger bombs, and they're just like, What the fuck? <laughs> the second time she shows up at the Milton house, it goes even worse because now, in addition to the woman she interacted with before, two other women all come out of the house. They explode out of the oh, house yeah. and attack Re, punch her in the face. They like drag her to a garage and beat the shit out of her, most yeah. of which we don't see. The, the situation has certainly escalated now. And we're heading on a path that feels like would most likely only end in her death, if not for uh, an intervention here. Yeah. I've often thought about what the rationale is here, or or at least often thought of it since watching it yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Thought often throughout the day today. I do remember having thoughts like this a decade ago when we were first seeing this movie and probably talking about it it does seem on the surface as if it would be simpler to just kill her here what the hesitation is i don't know maybe although they were like look at her face yeah i know if we kill this girl this is gonna be all over the news (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna be flying in helicopters i mean i think you know they have a code they they killed jessup but they felt justified in doing so based on what he was going to do with her, I don't think they want to kill her. They just really want this to go away. Yeah, there does seem to be some sort of a warped 
conscience at play because yeah. they do know her situation kind of where they would essentially be orphaning the two small children. Although Blonde was making a play for just the boy. Yeah. Which was, I thought that was interesting. Maybe we could take the girl on down Later. the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if the, the impression there or the idea there was that the neighbors wanted to take Sonny, the brother, because he was older and they could probably already start him down the path. Start working in the of lab. earning a keep yeah. with the meth and whatever. And that the girl who's only six would require so much more care. Yeah. Effort, work. Yeah. That they wanted to wait until she got older. Where she would go in the meantime. Unclear. Yeah. <laughs> I guess wherever Re went. I guess stay with Re and then we Rhee don't would know where that would be. Turn her over. Maybe living with Gail. I don't know. Re comes to with everyone standing around her, the three women, plus little Anthony, some of these other guys, kind of a scary-looking crew of backwoods people. (laughs) Guys who are up to no good. But she does actually get an audience with Thump, because Thump is now here. Yeah. and She's She's like, all right, let's hear it. Yeah, her face is all bashed in, and she's actually presented with this opportunity, and she basically, in sort of a badass moment, yeah. For Re, where she's all beat up on the ground. Her face is like already swelling a little bit and she's like got blood on her. She's just lays it out on the line. Oh, yeah. I mean, she is pretty consistently tough throughout this movie. She doesn't really waver or like lack courage at any moment. Yeah, because she's like, all right, well, then kill me. And they're like, well, we discussed that. And then any other ideas? And she's like, all right, well, then help me. I yeah. bet you didn't discuss that <laughs> <Right>. idea. <laughs> and so. She gives her plea. If I can't prove my my father's dead or figure out where he is, I'm going to lose the house, and I have nowhere to live with these kids who I'm taking care of because my mother's gone. Thump doesn't say anything, offers no solutions or help. But then a truck pulls up outside they the all, garage. I like they all know a truck by the sound. Well, it, I guess they're just like, who else could it be? Everyone's here except for him. Everyone that lives in town is here except for Teardrop. Shit. I ain't gonna stand here naked when that motherfucker comes. Where is she? Don't get all excited, Teardrop. She was warned. More than once. He never. No man here touched that crazy girl. I put the hurt on her. Me and my sisters, they was here too. Jesse Dome was against our ways. He knew it, I know it. I ain't raised no stink at all about whatever became of him. But she ain't my brother. He's about all the close family I got left, so I'll be collecting her now. 
carrying her on out of here to home. That'd suit your thumb. You won't stand for her, are you? If she does wrong, you can put it on me. She's now yours to answer for. This is a girl who ain't gonna tell nobody nothing. You boys give him a hand. Go and put her in a truck. Yeah, this is actually like a pretty sweet little moment yeah i love I how everyone except possibly thump himself is a little scared of teardrop they're all like oh fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> so he comes in and he's basically like all right i'm here to collect her he vouches for re thump accepts this and so they get they leave together but the caveat is if something happens then it's teardrop's fault Th- yeah. that is kind of the agreement that's like the trade so if you want to start going down this path of possible theories as to what happened to Jessup, if you wanted to roll with the idea that Teardrop killed his brother, would this scene make more sense or less sense if that was the case? They're Ooh. like, all right, if you, wa- if you want to deal with her and take her because we know that ultimately you're the one with the most to lose, then go ahead. Yeah. I don't subscribe to the teardrop killed his brother theory because I think it just kind of undermines too many other scenes in the movie. I agree. He seems so emotionally invested and sort of conflicted because. But maybe that is why he's conflicted. Yeah. It's because he knows all along. Fair. But it just seems like he really is upset about everything that's happened. Now, yeah, okay, you can make the argument that, yeah, that's all true. And basically, Thump had teardrop do it so as a way to maybe that cleared teardrop of any potential wrongdoing i I don't know i mean that's definitely there you can't say that that's not a possibility and so you'd have to say that in some of these conversations that are coming up here in a minute with re that he's speaking in code almost because he's talking about he can never find out because if he finds out who killed his brother then he'll be dead too yeah so you would have to then say he's talking about something coded more like if I come to terms with what I did, then I'll kill myself or yeah, that, that, and you could say that he's putting up a smoke screen with her as well. I mean, yeah, that's true. I do think that the movie's intentionally more vague than what is presented in the novel. And there's probably a lot of reasons why I guess, from a viewer's perspective, I don't want it to be that Teardrop killed him because I want to believe that he is upset and thirsty for revenge to some degree, but also doesn't want to fuck up his standing in this little society. I Yeah, I know what you mean. I would be fine with it if it connected more. If you were like, holy shit, this is the moment where this makes sense. That's true. Yeah, there's no if there was a payoff like for that, that right. There's no, like, big giant thing out there. A lot of the people are just sort of speculating on what different things might mean. And that's not that big holy shit moment right. where you're like, I would oh, agree. wow, this yeah. all clicked. Like where it's a twist. This It's not a twist because yeah. it's not revealed. The one thing I'll say, and we'll circle back to this, think about what Jennifer Lawrence says to her brother 
when her brother is watching the neighbors okay, with you'll the have food. To remind me. Well, I am. Okay. Let me finish. All right. There's more coming, believe it or not. <laughs> I, I know that you don't want to let me finish the sentence, but that's that's where it's going. Occasionally I do. So here we go. They're watching Blonde and Sonia. I think they're skinning a deer, maybe. Okay. And yeah. they have all of this food. Meanwhile, the children next door are starving. <laughs> Eating squirrel stew. And the brother says, should we ask them for food? And Re says to her brother, never ask for what should be offered. So just think about that line, and then we'll come back. We'll bring it back up at the end. All right. Because I was reminded of that line almost accidentally when I was like at the end of the movie and trying to like put these notes together. And I'm like, is there a definitive answer? Because sometimes, yeah. you know. You might miss something, and you're oh like, sure you're looking yeah. around for people's answers, and and then all of a sudden I I just was looking about something else unrelated, and that line was in there from that scene, right? And I I started to think about the ending of the movie differently, a couple of moments there with teardrop, but we'll we'll come back to it. All right, sounds good. I'll keep it in mind. Teardrop tells Ree that Jessup was killed because he was facing ten years this time, so he was going to inform on everyone because he didn't think that he could do the ten. Yeah, I get it. And so he started talking to the sheriff. However, Teardrop <laughs> doesn't know specifically who killed him. And he warns her that if she ends up finding out who did, she must never tell him. He says that they've been watching him, meaning Thump and Thump's crew, waiting to see what he'll do. And he'll just be killed next if he finds out. Right. Now, do you take that to mean because... He'll look for revenge. That's the way I was taking it. Because yeah. I don't think he would be the type to run to the cops with no, this no. information. No, I, I was thinking that, you know, in the brief time we spend with him, it seems like he's kind of viewed as a badass. And it, it just seems like what they're waiting for is, is he going to try to retaliate? Is he going to try to take out one of Thump's dudes? That's the way I was taking it. Yeah. So Ree's pretty fucked up. Sonia comes over with some painkillers. Gail's there to help her. She kind of goes to sleep. This black and white squirrel dream sequence I could kind of do without. Yeah, it's the worst part of the movie, I would say, (laughs) unequivocally. Are you just saying that because I said that before we started recording, or do you really think No, I I, I don't think there's any need for it. I don't think it does anything of value for the movie. Uh, Yeah, it just seems like it's out of place, and not just because it's shot in a different ratio and it looks different and it's black and white it's just i have to say i you know i didn't hate it or anything but i don't think it's needed at all yeah it's brief enough to not be a big deal but right. it's i don't know it doesn't really work for me re goes to see an army recruiter and so this is one of those things where i have to think about how i want to say this i don't believe this scene at all yeah. <laughs> even though this is a real army recruiter guy i think that they're like... acting different because it's a movie they don't care what your reason is they're so desperate for people oh i know i i know i didn't buy that he's at not all. gonna talk this her like out of this the, the one recruiter that's turning people away give me a break like tell yeah telling her that she's making a mistake by doing this i also think it just feels so weird that this scene happens in the movie that okay i get that we need to push something forward like she's exploring other options what if I don't find my dad? Like, I need another plan. And I get that, and they want to push something forward like it that. It seems but. like the Army thing existed, though, before all of this drama recent. Like, this has been a, okay. something that she's been flirting Thinking with about the doing. idea of for a while. Because but they're offering, never, like, $40,000 okay, sure. like enlistment signing bonus, bonus yeah. or something. Yeah. 
but it it's never crossing her mind that it's not going to be a possibility to move these kids wherever she's going well yeah that's what makes the scene not work is that this character who otherwise seems very resourceful and with it and yes clearly she's dropped out of high school but she seems smart she for some reason thinks she's going to be able to bring her two siblings to basic training and then to wherever she would go next god forbid being actual in actual like combat like it doesn't make any sense i don't know and maybe they're this. trying to shine a light on her naivete a little bit sure but, but it I, just doesn't I, know. I i'm with you i i don't want to defend it it's like a ham-handed way to to do it at this stage in the movie especially since the whole idea of hoping for an army enlistment bonus is sort of just under the surface and sort of touched on very briefly once or twice and then all of a sudden we're in this scene i know and it does just feel out of place other than it's kind of just another defeated moment for her and everything i've ever heard is that they would rather trick you into signing up than to to i know i'm not buying this guardian angel (laughs) recruiter (laughs) yeah he's like sounds like you got some stuff to take care of on the home front before it's like all right get the fuck out of here (laughs) shut up Teardrop stops by, collects Re, takes her to a bar with, I guess, the intention of poking around. It's a sudden change in his demeanor. Yeah, I because before this he was all right. I basically just put my life on the line to get you out of that shit. So it's like this is it, no more. And something changes with him. I know. I'm wondering if there was a deleted scene I didn't see or something. I don't know. I. I it just doesn't make sense to me that he just suddenly yeah he's basically let's go poke the bear let's go kick the hornet's nest i guess he's trying to be helpful he's walking a line where he doesn't want to know who killed jessup but he also knows that she needs help to get the situation so right if there's some way to prove that he's dead i guess i don't know it's hard to say you have to make your own explanation here because they don't really provide one it's just one minute he's like all right Here's what happened, but I can't know the details, and I don't want to push this any farther till the next day where he's like, all right, let's go poke around and yeah. see if we can find out. <laughs> let's go see if we can piss these guys off. Not really sure what his plan here was. He ends up smashing some guy's windshield with an axe. Well, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to follow this whole sequence of events. They go into the bar. She's talking to somebody. Doesn't she reference these other two guys are standing across the street at the gas station? She sees guys, but they're guys that, like, do we know them? Were they people that were with I, I couldn't before? tell you. Yeah, I mean, they look like the type. <laughs> I can say that. So he's in the bar. She's waiting outside, I guess because she's 17, although it doesn't seem like this would be a place where that's a problem. No. And then she goes into the bar, gets him, is like, hey, these dudes are outside. He comes outside, goes up and talks to them. It doesn't go well. They're like, leave it alone. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So then he goes and takes an axe out of his truck and smashes somebody's windshield yeah, with it. Yeah, pretty badass move. They start flipping out, but they just drive away. Never really followed up on. Yeah, and this leads up to the, the scene with the cop. I was like, is that supposed to be that he's being pulled over for being accused of? I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Because do Those guys are going to tell the cops. I don't think so, yeah. But then again, we know that the sheriff is probably tied in with it in right. some way. Well, it seems like he's just, just stirring shit up amongst this lot who keep warning them to leave it alone but it's unclear if he's actually doing this to help re or if he's in it now for his own revenge which he almost very specifically seemed to be avoiding a minute right. ago but now it seems he's completely had some different. sort of change of heart but I, I mean i do think he does have some vested interest in taking care of his brother's family making sure that they're okay 
you don't get the sense that this guy is like falling over himself with stacks of money, but he does make a couple of cash offerings to her, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. On the way home, the pair of them get pulled over by the sheriff, and there's a tense standoff. Well, yeah. I mean, he's reaching for the shotgun right away, so. Baskin wants Teardrop to get out of the car. He says he just needs to talk to him, that he's not in trouble. He's not like a suspect for anything. Teardrop refuses and then asks. He's kind of just like, not tonight. Yeah, and he asks Baskin, why did he tell? Meaning, why did Baskin tell? Implying the sheriff leaked the information that Jessup was going to be an informer. Which also seems like he knows more than what he let on earlier. Yeah, and it's unclear how he knows this other than Teardrop, I guess, is just tied in with these other people. And so he's around when this information is being circulated as to where it would have come from. So, yeah, it does seem like he is more keyed into the situation than he originally told. Re. Teardrop. You should stop. Just see what he wants. out of the truck teardrop I need to talk to you I don't think so it ain't about you you're not in trouble it's about your brother nope tonight I ain't doing a fucking thing you say get out of the truck put your hands where I can see him come on get out why'd you tell Why? You went and got his ass killed. You happy now? I know you. I know your family. Get out of the car now. I think one of the mysteries about this scene is what exactly was the sheriff's intention here? here? Was this an attempted murder and things sort of back down because it would have been harder to explain? And he does keep looking at Ree. Yeah. Does he think, well, I can't kill both of them because how the fuck am I going to explain this? Right. Or 
what like what is he asking him to get out of this car for we don't know yeah with his shotgun now visible teardrop backs the sheriff off and ends the situation by starting the car and just driving away and it does seem like reed's presence influences the standoff which later on there is a scene between the sheriff and re and he does say that (laughs) it's almost like funny that he's like yeah concerned about the rep yeah that he got back down yeah if anything it's almost like he shouldn't even be acknowledging that the situation happened you know what i mean yeah but he can't help himself and he's like well i only did it because you were there which does seem like a cop-out but at the same time it makes sense if you want to jump to conclusions about what the scene was even supposed to be in the sheriff's mind like what was going to happen there and if it was to just kill him and make it look like a shootout or whatever how that would be fucked up by his presence if that is true how is teardrop ever gonna continue to survive if they were willing to go to the length (laughs) this cop was gonna kill him well we don't know that for sure no i know I don't know what the situation is there. We don't even really know the full extent of the sheriff's involvement. Right. I mean, because it's one thing to be corrupt in a sense that maybe you're on the payroll and you're giving them information. Going to be an assassin. Yeah, well, yeah, that is jumping to conclusions. Like, we don't know that that's what it was, although it is strange that he's just like, get out of the car. Right. I agree. And he's kind of drawing his gun almost immediately. Yeah. I don't know. I know. It's hard to say. Like you said, I, I think it's intentionally vague. It could also be the filmmaker's choice here to present the sheriff as a potential murderer, just to sort of like give you all of these different yeah, I agree, yeah, thoughts in your head as to who the one that killed Joseph was, especially since it seems like they don't really decide to reveal it definitively in the movie. A few days later, the same Milton women who previously beat Re up show up at her door and offer to take her to her daddy's bones. Yeah, this is kind of a twist. All, all of these things, nothing has gone right, and then these ladies just show up and are just basically like, we're just going to take you to what you want. Yeah, the implication here is that the community at large, some of the people we've seen, some of the people that just, I guess, are around that they did a we don't see. Instagram poll. Yeah, people are like, all right, well, this girl is not really causing trouble. She's trying to save herself. It's fucked up that you guys are doing this to her. That's kind of what they're saying. Right. Like, people yeah. are talking shit about us. Because Ree's like, I haven't said anything about you. And they're like, we know, but other people have. Yeah. <laughs> Unclear to me if Thump knows that they're doing this. Yeah, I know. O- on the I... one hand, it would seem crazy based on the way they carry on and the reputation they seem to assign to him that they would do this behind his back. It seems crazy back. that they would cross him. That's what yeah. I mean. Right. Like, doing this behind his back seems like it's insane. But on the other hand... Also, based on everything we've seen, it doesn't seem like doesn't he would seem be like, like he would care and yeah. just be like, "Fuck him." Yeah, don't ever do this. But it's not like those women are like, "You can't ever say anything about this or blow." It's just, you know, it's dusk. They put a sack over her head and drive her out somewhere. They take a chainsaw out of the trunk, and again, you're like, "Oh boy!" Just like earlier when Blonde is driving around and you don't know what they're doing, you're like, "Are they gonna gonna kill her?" Yeah, the first time you see this, you don't know and. I think there's definitely uncertainty on Ree's face, too. Oh, yeah. I think I'd also be like, on second thought, I don't want to see his body that bad. <laughs> Especially when they're, like, getting this boat. I think there's a total of four Milton women, maybe 
five, I think four, plus Re. But then Re and two of the women get into a rowboat and row out to the shallow area of a pond where Jessup's body is submerged. This movie is highly authentic feeling, very realistic and naturalistic. Oh, yeah. I had a hard time with this thinking, how in the world... In the, Would they know in where this the pond is? Are, the, are they rowing right up to the right spot and they're pointing in the water at a, a specific spot and being like, it should be right there, reach in there and pull his hands up. It, it seems, seems crazy. crazy. Yeah. It, it seems crazy. It also seems kind of nuts that this is what they decided to do with the body. I mean, I guess throwing it in water, fine, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, it seems like they could have done something more to try to get rid of this thing or cover it up. I guess, like, no one's ever going to find a dead body on this land. Well, yeah, there is the implication that it's some pond tucked away on some property somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And that, I guess the hope would be that by the time anyone were to discover it, that any potential evidence would just be gone. Right. With a body submerged in water for a long time. And since all indications are that Jessup was living below the law and was sort of a questionable character i don't think they're doing massive manhunts for him yeah even though he's wanted i don't think people are going to waste a lot of man hours trying to track this guy down at a certain point so i don't know i'm with you not a lot of people shedding tears over him no not or at least people that matter in society i guess but whatever you give them the benefit of the doubt to speed the story along that the women are able to tell exactly where he is from memory in this water (laughs) although it is funny because doesn't it almost feel like they're shockingly helpful at this point yeah it's not even like they're reluctantly showing her i guess they just have it in their heads that we need to take care of this and just end this yeah that's true this has gone on too long they tell reed to reach into the water and pull his hands to the surface and this (laughs) is a scene that sticks to you and you can't shake and it is definitely something i've remembered and it's really the one part of this movie other than jennifer lawrence's performance that has stuck with me for the 10 years since this movie came out. The scene is like, holy oh, shit. Oh, I know. <laughs> and it is because it's her father. Because it's not a particularly... You don't see, like, a lot. No, no. It's a gross idea, but it's but not they, like you really yeah, see it. The anything. way they act, the way they portray it, it's gruesome enough without having to see it. Yeah, and the fact that it's her father... At first, they want her to use the chainsaw to cut the hands off. And then... She just can't do it. Which, the, by the way, it does seem like a two-person job anyway, because somebody's got to hold the arm up. Yeah, so that's what she does. She holds the hands while the other woman takes the chainsaw. And I remember thinking... Gets done with one. <laughs> and she's like, why'd you let go? We yeah. need to have both. <laughs> yeah, that, I wrote that down. Rhi has to hold his arm straight so they can saw his hands off with a chainsaw, and the hands can serve as proof of death for the authorities. First of all, before I even get to the... Oh, yeah. The comment. That seems crazy right there. If you were the authorities in this situation, you don't want a death certificate. You're just willing to accept hands. <laughs> yeah. In other words, somebody was murdered. Everyone knows they were murdered. And you're just like, well, if you just bring the hands in, I guess that's, that's enough. fine. Good enough for me. But yeah, after she cuts the one off and then re-lets the body kind of sink back down. And she's like, why'd you let it go? You need to have both. You can't just give him one because you can't assume that a guy facing a long sentence wouldn't cut his hand off to avoid jail. They okay, know but- that trick is what she says. I'm like, what? Imagine thinking couldn't that was a good idea. The same logic for two arms, though, or two hands. I guess they think 
no one would be willing to just give up both hands. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I can't imagine giving up one even for 10 years because you're probably oh, yeah. still going to get caught and then you're not going to have a hand. So you're going to have to <laughs> right. do the it's not like you're going to get out of the jail if you end up getting caught. <laughs> you're yeah. still going to have to do the you're, time. You're telling you the judge one hand. Well, I did give up my hand. <laughs> I thought this would be a fair trade. Can't we shave some years off? The power of the scene basically comes from the idea that you get of the lengths to which Ree will go to protect her family. But I do like there's still something that's so horrible that she can't do. You mean be the one with the chainsaw? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah that's a little rough. Her face. <laughs> I mean, it takes one of the other women, I think, to be like, she can't do it. But it's not the one that The face does that it. she makes during this whole procedure is sort of <laughs> It's one of the definitive J-Law faces of oh, yeah. just Disgust. immense horror. Yeah. <laughs> So she takes the hands to the sheriff's office. I just love this idea that she just shows up with a bag of hands. Right. Here's your hands. And yeah, he's just like, okay, well, where'd you get these? And she's like, someone flung them at the door. <laughs> yeah, someone like flung them up on the porch last yeah. night. You know how that is. Right. <laughs> he's just like, all right, good enough for me. Well, when you think about I mean, about- I'm sure he knows that it's something more than that, but what are you supposed to even. Well, when you do think about the it? scenario. Of how this is all played out in the world in which they're all living. I guess it doesn't seem that far-fetched. That's true. It does seem like anybody could just do that just to help her. If anything, other than to make a fun, dramatic scene for a movie, it probably would have made more sense for those women just to cut the hands off and bring them to her. That's true. Instead of showing her where the body was. Yeah. But you need to have that scene in this movie. Yeah, it is. That's it's unbelievable. <laughs> the bondsman shows up. And gives Ree the cash portion of the bond, which was put up by someone who remained anonymous. I feel like this bondsman is almost like a fatherly figure to her. He seems more invested than he would be with most, but maybe that's just because there's not a lot of girls looking like Ree in the neighborhood. Yeah, I was getting more of that kind of a vibe. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, did you see the well, Dodge kind of Stratus that yeah. I got? <laughs> His like $10 leather jacket he's wearing. Yeah, he seems like he thinks he's hot shit, and all of the Thump Milton people and the whole syndicate there, they all seem to hate him and yeah. resent him being there. Blonde is always still hanging around. Sonia in the mix, they're always suspicious. Teardrop cryptically reveals that he now knows who killed Jessup, but he doesn't say, and so this is where... You are left wondering, like, well, what changed in the in that time span? Like, how did he find out? Was he chasing it down more on his own? Could be. I think there's things omitted from the novel. I was telling you before we started recording, and I guess I'll try to explain this briefly. There's a whole other character, a member of Thump Milton's crew named, like, Sleepy Joe or something. It's Sleepy something. Just some dude. And when the bondsman shows up, he does not know the name, but he says, like, something to the effect of, like, the guy who brought this in looked like he wasn't even awake or something like that. Yeah. And it seems to be a pretty big clue that Sleepy Joe, who's in some of the other scenes and is, like, around, is the guy based on what the Bondsman says. When they adapted this into a movie, they decide not to even include this Sleepy Joe guy or whatever his name is and leave it way more vague. Yeah, right. Which and I think so works. this line that Teardrop delivers, which is also in the novel is more cryptic because 
as you said, you don't really know what changed right. from his perspective. And that's where people come up with this teardrop as the guy. And this whole scene where... He's come to terms with it now? Re offers him the banjo, and he's like, oh, well, I could never play as good as Jessup, and he doesn't take the banjo. And I don't know. People have really interpreted I think you this. could interpret that different ways, though. I agree. But I will say that the line that I told you to keep in mind, never ask for what should be offered... There is this pregnant pause there where he says this to her. She doesn't say anything, and she sort of like is looking at him, and he's just sort of like, all right, <laughs> and just leaves <laughs> yeah. and doesn't offer it. So she doesn't ask because I guess you could say never ask for what should be offered. He should say it, and I think that's where people tie in this idea of yeah, it could fair. be him. I think the more likely scenario is that it's blonde, the guy that took her to the burnt house because it is suspicious to me that Sonia is always like, did you tell the cops anything? Did what yeah. did they say? You know, they're very involved and the wanting to take Sonny on and raise him seems suspicious and weird. I agree. But it ultimately but, there is no answer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can still, there is some suspect stuff there, but you can chalk it up to like, just the way they all are, which is weird. And like with there's when there's cops around, they're all weird about that. Yeah, definitely. It could be teardrop. It could be little uh, Arthur. It could be another Thump member himself. of the syndicate. Yeah. It could be the sheriff could be blonde. I think from what I've seen with the movie and what's in the actual text of the movie, there is no definitive answer. There are, can just be theories. Yeah. I don't think there's any, key to unlock it all present in the film that i can tell and ultimately it doesn't really matter i mean all of these people are like tied into these lifestyles it could have been any one of them i was alluding to it earlier sort of brushed by it when it actually happened it's towards the end of the film right before those milton women actually take her to the body where re is still in the haze from her beating and the oh, yeah. drugs and everything but she's just like i'm embarrassed for him that he was gonna snitch yeah and teardrops just like well he didn't for such a long time he didn't he didn't he didn't and then he did and then that's just what happens and essentially his weakness was you guys the family like he didn't want to leave you for 10 years or which whatever. is kind of a weird moment because you got the sense that he was a fairly absentee father through most of his life yeah but still okay admirable i guess so there isn't like a lot of tears shed for Jessup or a lot of sentimentality about it. And it, it's not like she was going to seek revenge against whoever did it. And it's not like she was going to go to the cops. She had this quest and then it was accomplished. So you're right. It doesn't really matter who did it because the whole point of the movie is over, which was right. saving the property and, and taking care of the family. And the movie ends with Re telling her siblings yeah. that she's never going to leave them. If anything, if there is a revenge storyline, it seems way more on the, the teardrop side of things. Yeah, which I guess works both ways because you could say that, yeah, from what we see, it seems like he's interested in revenge, but you could also say, why isn't that more of the focus? Right. Why is he just willing to kind of let this pass? So who knows? But it's a fun little indie thriller. Yeah, definitely felt unique at the time. I, I would say still just one of these movies that kind of comes out of nowhere, something that isn't really by the numbers, something you're expecting to see. And 
it's always cool when you have those success stories and it becomes something that gets multiple Academy Award nominations. And any year we have stuff like this pop up, I, I think is always good. But I, I think this one, it seems like it kind of gets forgotten about at times. I don't know. I certainly only well, watched it the year it came out. Yeah, but what do you expect? I mean, what would be the legacy that people would yeah. just be constantly having Fair. conversations All about? right. Fair. <laughs> Time moves on. I guess we do talk a lot about the Academy Awards. We're always like, this doesn't matter. Who cares? This is bullshit. This is dumb. <laughs> but if this had won yeah. an Academy Award, then yeah, it would have this legacy where people constantly would be like, You'd oh, be like, I can't believe this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so shocking. I guess it reached a certain level of recognition. You still have to remember that this movie being as successful as it was and making the kind of money that it did and launching the careers that it did is still like a million to one shot that that would all line up and work out like that. This is still a huge success. And a female director, I don't know, has she only made what, like two movies since this or... I think there's one. She I, made I one with Vera Farmiga before this. Okay, and then she made this movie a couple of years ago with like Ben Foster, which right apparently super well reviewed. I think yeah, it's like, it's, it has like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I have. I, I have you seen it? No, me neither. So I'll, that's on the list. Yeah. Although it's, <laughs> I don't know to have this movie be obviously it was a financial success for what the budget was versus the return and a critical success and got oscar attention but i guess kind of sad that there wasn't more follow-up in the immediate years by this director could be the same old story for a woman director or it could be that she was offered things that she just didn't want to that's do. true who yeah, knows what the real story is there <laughs> maybe she was offered like a a marvel movie <laughs> i don't know what are you doing what what vincent stopped making picks well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Anywho, let's get to recommendations. Do you have one? I don't, this? no. Okay. I don't have a place specifically for you to watch these films. I'm sure they're available somewhere, and if not, you can just rent them. If I look them up and find out that they are streaming somewhere... I will add that in the information for this podcast episode. But I figured that since we're doing a Jennifer Lawrence film, and I'm still on that bandwagon, even though she hasn't really checked in in a while with anything new, I know that there's sort of been a backlash against her in recent years. That backlash has been so so ongoing that I feel like we probably talked about it during last year's Jennifer Lawrence December episode of Silver Linings um, Playbook. worth bringing up when talking about her. Yeah, it seems like people sort of, I don't know if she was just oversaturated or what the deal was. People kind of got... I don't know. It's tale as old as time. I mean, how many people have we seen it happen with? Yeah. But I'll recommend two Jennifer Lawrence films that I like a lot that did not necessarily get the best reviews. And I think people sort of have slept on. I don't know the legacy of these two movies, if they will increase over time or if people are going to look back at them as disasters or what the deal is or will we do one of them next december who knows the first i don't remember which of these came out in what order i i don't know i the first one i'll recommend is red sparrow oh yeah a spy movie she goes to horror school as she calls it (laughs) (laughs) 
there's a lot of sex and seduction and it it's overly convoluted and it sort of falls apart in the last 20 minutes of a movie that should probably be a lot shorter than it is but i found it mostly entertaining Mm-hmm. Is it as colorful and fun to watch and listen to as Atomic Blonde? Sort of a similar vibe? No. But I think it's like kind of a cool premise. It, the execution yeah. wasn't 100%. But I liked Red Sparrow. I thought it deserved a little more credit than it got. It was sort of not super it's well kind received. Of brushed aside. And the second would be... Serena. A very high... Yeah, a movie that no one has seen. No, the second would be a high-profile disaster in a box office sense very polarizing reviews that were oh, all over I know the place what this is. yeah <laughs> a film from a man that she was dating at the time believe it or not which is seems nuts. super weird yeah and that would be the last movie we've gotten i think from darren aronofsky mother yeah i don't oh, think we've got another entry just a since. roller coaster of a movie i can see why people hated it i can see why people loved it I can see why the reactions were all over the place. Yeah. I think it's worth re-exploring now that time has passed and there isn't as much invested in, you know, oh, we're going to the theater. Do we have to say we love this movie? Is this movie going to get nominated for anything? Is this a big deal? Yeah. It wasn't. It didn't get nominated for anything. (laughs) I think, ultimately, I think it did have a favorable score on Rotten Tomatoes, but it was more like around 70 percent and the ones that were against it were completely against it (laughs) and there were a lot of people that hated it and it famously bombed made almost no money compared to what its budget was which was way too high for that kind of an idea yeah but i thought it was crazy movie cool yeah as a as sort of an experimental movie sure it's not the type of thing that you would think that oh we're gonna put all these high profile actors in and pay them a lot of money but yeah Sometimes you just have an appreciation for the swing, which I did for this. Uh, I certainly didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I was kind of down the middle on it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, and I think more people should give it a chance and yeah. check it out and come in with like a more open mind. I definitely think that everyone should watch it once, <laughs> just for the experience. <laughs> yeah, seeing it for that first time in the theater and not knowing like, what, what it was. The fuck? Yeah, it just keeps it getting crazier. More insane. <laughs> All right, so those are the two recommendations. Jen, come back to us, babe. That's right. <laughs> I'm ready for some more J-Law content. I'm, I'm ready on, for I'm still on that yeah, bandwagon. Another decade of Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Folks, that brings us to the end. Follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about the show. This is a big yeah. year, and we've got... Hopefully, all things considered, fingers crossed, everything. Two more left in 2020. We hope everyone is enjoying the show this holiday season. Some fun for the whole family. The plan right now is that you will get an episode on Christmas Day and an episode on New Year's Eve. So hopefully that all works out and then we will say farewell to 2020. (laughs) Bon voyage. And we have a lot of great stuff planned for 2021 that's right no end in sight for potentially this. there could be some more matt picks that come up in 2021 a few sadly for some <laughs> i'll have to sift through the ones that i didn't immediately cross off as a no way <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah so stick with us i think 
we're just getting started <laughs> with this podcast. We're just hitting our stride now, finally, 200-plus eps <laughs> in. We're finally we, reaching we, it. We've, like, almost got it figured out. Almost. Yeah. There's still some... There's still some dark. Yeah, we areas. still gotta cut out the chuffa a little bit, but we're getting there. <laughs> if we hacked these things down to the essential, these episodes would be 15 minutes. <laughs> There's a lot of filler going yeah, on, <laughs> right? It, no clips, like no intro music or anything. Just like the key information and like the one or two laughs in each ep. Yeah, I think that's one a or two. Tight that's a 17 minutes. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Art. Of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where those streets are Listen and children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow The snow But in